Christ brings his glory, not the glory of the world or the glory of our own sinful imagination. Christ brings the real glory. Yes, as Paul says, we shine as lights in the world. John speaks of the people of heaven in bright robes and glorious, and the city of God with gems and precious stones in Revelation 21. That sort of glory is also real, and we get a glimpse of it in the Gospel text for Transfiguration Sunday. But Jesus brings the whole of glory, and the glory of God is always to save. Welcome to the Sand Hills Lutheran Ministry Podcast. I am Pastor John Edding. The theme of this sermon on the transfiguration of our Lord is, He Brings Glory. This is a sermon from Luke chapter 9, verses 28 through 36. And it is the eighth and final sermon in a series called Unwrapping the Gift. Thanks be to God. Let's get to the sermon. Well, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. The transfiguration of Jesus is an astonishing account. It's full of moving parts. Um, There is Jesus radiating with divine glory. And then there are Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus about his crucifixion. There are the cloud, um, the cloud of God's glory and the voice from heaven. There are treasures in each and every one of these things uh, that the Holy Spirit has put uh, before us today. But for our comfort, we will consider how it was with the disciples on the Mount of Transfiguration and how Jesus was comforting them with the gift of glory. We're concluding this sermon series called Unwrapping the Gift, the festival of the transfiguration of our Lord caps off the epiphany season. And today the Father, he repeats the message that was spoken at the baptism of our Lord, which kicked off kicked off the season of Epiphany in early January. The Jesus who preached a radical love uh, to us last week shows up radically other, filled with a glory, which really, it transcends our, our whole experience. We unwrap this gift today. He brings glory. But to fully appreciate what's happening in our gospel, we first need to rewind a bit. Let's back up. Our our reading begins with these words in verse 28. Now about eight days after these things, which naturally makes us wonder what had been said eight days earlier. So let's back up. So about eight days before the transfiguration, I'm I'm in uh, chapter 9 of verse, verse 20. After about eight days before the transfiguration, Jesus had asked this, asked his disciples, who do you say that I am? Peter responded. Well, he responded with this great confession that Jesus is the Christ, the long-awaited Messiah. Okay, so far so good. (laughs) But what Jesus said next must have sounded anything but good. To the disciples, Jesus said, verse 22, the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders 
and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. Okay, a lot uh, for the disciples to take in. Being raised, well, that must have sounded mysterious at the time. But the part about being killed was all too clear. And they barely had time to begin digesting that message about what lay ahead for Jesus when he followed it up with some difficult words about what lay ahead for them. Jesus said, verse 23, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. So that was what lay ahead for these men. Their Messiah would be killed, and they would have lives of daily cross-bearing, which means daily dying. Now, that was a sobering message. Was that really what all this was leading to? Were cross-bearing and dying all Jesus and they had to look forward to? Well, with that background, now let's fast forward. Eight days from that conversation to the events of our gospel. So Jesus takes James and John up on a mountain to pray, and, and what they see is, that, is like nothing, nothing they have seen before. Jesus is transfigured, meaning his appearance changes. His clothes become dazzling white, and even the appearance of his face changes. Matthew's account tells us that Jesus' face shone like the sun. And there with Jesus are Moses and Elijah, two great heroes of the faith from centuries past. So what is the significance of this, all of this? Well, Jesus is giving his disciples a much needed lesson in things that will last and the things that will not last. This revelation of Jesus in his divine glory, it's really an affirmation for the disciples that just as Peter had confessed eight days earlier, Jesus truly is the Christ, the promised one. And to leave no doubt, to underscore this, God the Father said on the mountain, verse 35, this is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. And why do the disciples need that message at this time? Well, so that they will know that suffering and death will not be the end for Jesus. This one who will suffer and die is the son of the living God, and death cannot hold him. And the disciples are seeing with their own eyes, Jesus is the light of the world, and darkness cannot overcome it. Yes, he will suffer and die, but suffering and death cannot and will not be the end of, for this one who now stands before them, radiant in divine majesty. And nor will cross-bearing and death 
be the end for Jesus' disciples. The living presence of Moses and, and Elijah on the mountain testifies to the glorious future that really awaits all who abide in the faith, who stay and remain in the faith. Moses had gone through a great deal in his life. And few prophets had experienced more opposition than Elijah. Maybe, maybe Jeremiah did. Um, and we're starting a sermon series on Jeremiah. How about that for a shameless plug for the sermon series coming up? But that hardship had not lasted. What had lasted was their fellowship with the living Lord. Moses and Elijah had passed through the temporary trials of this life into eternal joys at God's right hand. And so it is for all who believe. As seen in Moses and Elijah, suffering is not the end for those who trust in the Lord. Instead, a crown of life awaits. And does that mean the promise of glory? Though, uh, mean that the cross-bearing can somehow... Can we just skip over that part? <laughs> well, just as we might sometimes wish we could follow Jesus without taking up our crosses, Peter also seems to have hoped along those lines. He offered to build what? Two tents, or tents, three tents actually, for Jesus, Moses, and Elijah, so that they could all stay, perhaps remain, on that mountain. Peter's wish, it's understandable. As he said, it was good for them to be there. But Jesus had something even better in mind. He was set on gaining for Peter, James, and John, and us, not a moment or a day of glory, but joys, unending. So Luke tells us that, this is verse 31, Luke tells us that on the mountain, Moses and Elijah spoke with Jesus of his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Now, it was for that departure that Jesus went back down the mountain. Jesus came down from the Mount of Transfiguration with his disciples so that he could be lifted up for them and for us. On Mount Calvary, there he suffered so that our suffering will not last. He died on the cross for our sins so that sin and death will not be the end for us. And he rose from the dead to proclaim the good news that he has made the way for us through death into life eternal. So as glorious as the transfigura transfiguration was, that day's Temporary glory was a sign really pointing ahead to greater glory. As in the transfiguration, we see a preview of the unending glory Christ secured for us on the cross. Now, at times, it might seem as if the hardships of this fallen world will never end. And now we hear news of war as Russia invades Ukraine. Wars and rumors of wars bring along with it anxiety and sorrow and suffering in these end times. 
And our Lord Jesus Christ, who has suffered with us and for us, knows what that feels like. Jesus brings glory. But how exactly is glory, his glory, a gift? How does it help us in the face of hardships and suffering? Well, glory is a very good biblical word. How can we use this term aright? Well, try this. The Hebrew word for glory means weight, something weighty. Luke picks up on this and has this glory of the Lord show up at Jesus' birth. And just in case you missed it, that Jesus is God present in the world. (laughs) Now, Jesus is glorified in his crucifixion and death. Jesus said on the road to Emmaus, this is chapter 24 of Luke, verse 26, did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? So he also is glorified in his resurrection and his ascension, but the New Testament seems to take the term glory and redefine it and expand it for us. And Jesus is glorified when he is heaviest, when he matters most, when his body hangs on a cross. Christ brings his glory, not the glory of the world, not the glory of our own sinful imagination. Christ brings real glory. Yes, as Paul says, we shine as lights in the world, Philippians 2, verse 15. And John, John speaks of the people of heaven in bright robes and glorious and the city of God with gems and precious stones in Revelation chapter 21. That sort of glory is also real. And we get a glimpse of it in today's text. But Jesus brings the whole of glory. And the glory of God is to save. Always to save. Jesus' glory is always tied to the day in which he wore a crown of thorns. And he hung as a common criminal on a cross. He does not look glorious in that moment to our earthly eyes, but he is glorious, for he is the very pivot point in which the whole history of humanity turns. So Jesus brings glory, and both senses of glory, the heavenly glory, which is to come and is connected to the earthly glory, the hands weary and dirty in service, to our fellow human being. This Jesus to whom all the heavenly glory belongs walks down the mountain with these three disciples. He does not ascend to heaven with Elijah and Moses, but he descends to cross, to the cross, and this other glory, this glory of mattering most, he brings that glory to us as well. And we walk down the hill with him back into the poisoned air, the suffering people, the difficult moments, the messiness of life. This is the glory which Jesus has as well. And without this glory, heaven's glory is forever shut to us. So we participate in this glory too, right now, as he calls. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.